0: You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Misunderstood. I am beyond thrilled, which I don't think I've said that about any guest yet. So you should be super excited, Hope, because I have Hope Taylor of Hope Taylor Photography on the show today. Hope. I've got to tell you, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. So I'm very, very happy you're here with me on the show. You are so
1: sweet. I am so, so, so excited to have you or be here. Sorry. I'm like so trying to meet you and chat with you. We've been texting about this and emailing about this for weeks now. And so I'm <laughs> so excited to finally get a chance to chat because I, I just can tell that this is going to be a great conversation.
0: Yes. Well, okay. So before the episode, I told you I I didn't want to like get into too much, but I have to share a couple things. So first and foremost, I have been following you on Instagram, I kid you not, for like six years. No way. Six years. Yes. Like OG, OG (laughs) follower. And yes. And I actually – and my OG followers are going to know this about me. Started a photography business because of you. No way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. didn't know this. Snaps. It is, like, wild. Actually, oh, my God. Even crazier. Tomorrow is my – five-year anniversary of getting my business license, five or six years. I can't even remember. I think it's five. my gosh. Well, congratulations on five years. That's amazing. And thank you for following me for so long. That's so wild. Yeah, it is so wild. And it's so funny because it's just like evident of you put people not that you're not worthy of putting on pedestal like you're definitely worthy of putting on a pedestal you're a fantastic human being oh you're so sweet <laughs> but like back you know back in the day six years ago 2014 I put you on a pedestal and I was like oh my god Hope Taylor like she's incredible and you are but now like I I feel like as I've grown in my confidence and in my capabilities and in my you know my business and all these other things I saw myself as you know, like a peer. Yeah. And that's why I finally, like, I was like, I need to just reach out to her and like have her on the podcast and chat with her because she has so much to share. Like I have something to share. Like let's just be boss ladies together and like vibe together. So
1: here we oh are. my gosh,
0: you are the sweetest. I definitely did not deserve to be on a pedestal. You
1: 100% could have emailed me in 2014 too, but <laughs> I am like so excited to chat. And it's that's crazy because 2014 would have been a year since I got my business license. So you've truly been following me
0: like from the very start because I'm this was year 7. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is wild. Like I remember And your OG followers are going to remember this too. You did like a Nicholas Sparks inspired (laughs) shoot. That was when I started following you, like back in the day. It was so beautiful. And my friend at the time from high school, Morgan Webb, she showed me your Instagram. She was like, "You have." she's from Virginia and, you know, Fredericksburg. She was like, you have to look at this girl. She's like, in high school. And I was like, what? And then – I was like, I don't believe that this chick is in high school. Like, she's so talented and then like kept following you and now here you are you're 25 right yeah 24 24. 25 25 next year wow but that is crazy I remember that shoot too
1: it was one of my first shoots that kind of gained a little bit of traction and Mm -hmm. like I hosted it for like a tiny little workshop for other high school students and it like for some reason a lot of people remember that shoot and it's just so funny because I look back at it and I'm like oh that was kind of a cheesy idea but like people remember it it's so crazy and so that was so so Long ago, that is insane. Well, back then we
0: were kind of like that was kind of like the year of cheese. Everyone liked cheese. That's true. That's true. You know, now it's kind of like simplicity, isn't you know? Like, and I'm planning a wedding, and simplicity is like very much a thing. Yes. And but when you look back at like 2013, 2014, like it was like big, bold, beautiful colors with big, crazy stuff, and you know, polka dots, and you're like, yeah, so trendy. not anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. Such a good point. But yeah, that is just so funny. I am just so grateful to have you following along for that long. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yes. Well, you know, and I have had like a roller coaster ride. Like my followers know that I've, you know, I dipped into the photography thing for a, a minute. I was stationed in San Diego and doing photography. I was stationed on a ship at the time doing photography really helped me just kind of explore something different. Yeah, You know, I loved it and I hadn't done it before and I never blogged before and I don't do it currently, but for, you know, a solid three or four years, that's how I You know, that's how I learned how to connect with people. That's how I networked. How I built a business. How I built a website. Like I learned all these skills, which then helped me in my career in the Navy, my career in recruiting, my now my podcast. Like, there's so many different tools that I gained from photography, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. So even if you're not like career photographer, or maybe you're not even in photography, there's so much value in listening to what you have to say, Hope Taylor, because like, you know, just from what I learned from you following you back then, like that's translated into all of these other things I'm doing now, which is super cool. So that's exactly what I want to get into today. You just, you had no idea, did you? <laughs> I didn't.
1: I had no idea. And I am so honored. But it's so cool that you can look back at that season of your life and just have so many takeaways from that, even though you don't mm-hmm. still actively do photography. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful. But my mom, she was like, Are you busting out the camera for Christmas? And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess so. Like, got to go clean it off, you know, because the family wants portraits. But that's awesome. It still comes in handy. That's for sure. So, okay, obviously I know all about you and I know your, you know, your OG days and your I know the creepy photo shoots you've done. But for my followers or listeners of the podcast who maybe don't know as much about you, you have this insane story. Yeah. <laughs> like insane background, which is incredibly inspiring. I know that you speak on panels and you do vlogs and blogs and all of this, you know, crazy inspirational stuff. Tell us where it started. I mean, yeah, you have built this business brick by brick in such an unconventional way. So how did Hope Taylor Photography begin? Yes. So I will give the cliff
1: Notes version, and then you can tell me if you want me to elaborate on any specific piece. Oh, I will. I will. Let me grab my coffee. I'm getting ready to spit back. Oh, I'm ready. So I actually began my photography business when I was 16 years old, which is wild. Mm-hmm. But I, growing up, my mom actually made cakes out of our house. So she kind of was the entrepreneur. I always saw her working for herself. My dad was in the military, um, and she honestly did that just to get groceries and like put food on our table at the time. but to me, it was just so inspiring to see a woman work for herself. And I always loved the idea of working for myself, but I never knew what that outlet was going to be for me. So the whole time she made cakes and had her business, I made her website for her. I made her business cards for her. I helped her with the marketing. I loved marketing. I loved business. I loved all of it. So I actually took a photojournalism class as a sophomore in high school just for fun. Like it wasn't really something I was super stoked about. It was just one of the classes on my schedule. Uh, But it was my strategic way of getting my parents to buy me a nice camera because it was a Mm -hmm. prerequisite. For the class to have a nice camera. Very sneaky. Yes, very sneaky. But like I said, my dad was military at the time. So that was just not something that was in our budget. Like we just didn't have an extra couple thousand dollars to drop on a camera. That wasn't a thing. I was 15 at that point. So I, I didn't have a job. I couldn't really have one yet. But we found a used like $200 Canon Rebel on eBay. And I took this photojournalism class, and it kind of started to escalate that year, which was my sophomore year, just to me taking pictures of friends for fun and really just enjoying the process. But it didn't really become anything serious or even a career consideration for me until my junior year, when I was 16, and I was working at a local retail store. But I was just kind of miserable. Like I just I felt like I was I was making minimum wage. I was only able to work a certain number of hours each week because of my age. They had they had these rules in place and yeah was monotonous and tiring. And it was my junior year, I had enough work on my plate with school already. And I just felt like I was just kind of being drained and didn't really have a purpose in that job. And so what I did is I started taking pictures of friends more and more frequently. And somebody's mom gave me a $50 check on their way out just as like a thank you. And I was like, Oh "Oh my gosh, like nobody told me I can make money off of this. Like I went from (laughs) $7.25 an hour at this retail job to $50 in an hour photo shoot. I was immediately like, I'm rolling in it. Like this is the dream. Like I'm making $50 an hour. And it just like felt like a huge deal to me. So that was the first time it clicked in my brain that I was like, I could maybe pursue this as something more than a little side hobby. Right. So I actually quit my job at the retail store, started taking pictures of friends to just kind of make up that income. And it just snowballed really fast. So then the summer after my junior year, I got a business license, made things officially official. Hope Taylor Photography was officially born. And I had enough credits that I was able to leave high school at my senior year every day by 11. So I essentially went full
0: time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I
1: essentially went full time with my business my senior year of high school because I left every day at 11, went home and built my business. And I was in um, a marketing program. I was actually president of the marketing program at my school. Of course you (laughs) were. Called DECA, but I ended up not even having much time to do that because it just kept snowballing. So anyway, Fast forward a few months and I was applying to colleges at this point The only option on my radar was to go to a four-year university and my plan was to pursue a business degree So I actually applied to seven colleges And I ended up committing to Radford, which is a school in Virginia, to study a marketing degree. That was my game plan. Uh, It was the closest one to home. I was like, you know what? I can still make round trips back to home, to Fredericksburg, to photograph weddings if I need to. And it was kind of the best of both worlds option for me because it was the closest option to home. So I committed to that school in early 2014. I graduated high school. I went and did the tour at school. I had a roommate. I had all my classes. I met all my professors. I did orientation. We paid the thousand dollars. And then about three weeks before I was supposed to leave to move in, I woke up one morning and essentially just decided that I didn't feel like it was my calling, that it just wasn't sitting right with me. And I revoked my admission to go full-time instead. And that was six years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I have so many questions. I'm literally writing them down as I my mind is flooding. <laughs> Can I ask you them? Can I ask you the questions? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, first of all, so at what point did you know that you needed to get a business license? Because getting a business license at 16 is when you did it. Yes. Like yes. a mm-hmm. lot of mature adults. Like myself, like when I was doing my photography business, I, my mentor, I was like 22, and he was like, Kelly, you need to get a business license. And I was like, no, I don't get to do that. <laughs> no, I don't. And he's like, no, you like really need to. And I was like, okay, fine. So was it like your parents that told you you need to or like what made you find? Were you making a lot of money? Like what made you finally like dive and get a business license? Yeah. So
1: this was kind of a unique scenario for me because I knew going into my senior year that I had enough credits with classes that Mm -hmm. I didn't need to be going full school days. I was like, I don't need to be going. Like I, mean, I would just be wasting classes and wasting time if I were to add enough classes to my schedule to be going for a full day. But in order to be able to do early release, it was called, oh gosh, they had a name for it. Um, but it was basically an early release option. If you had a job, you could only do it if you had a oh, job. Cold? I, I can't it. remember either. It was like, I don't even know. It's going to come up at some point. It's it's gonna bother bother me. Me. Now no. I'm going to mm-hmm. think of it. Yeah. But you had to have a job in order to qualify. So if you didn't have a gotcha. job, you couldn't leave early from school. But they wouldn't initially make an exception for me. They were like, you do not officially have a business. You don't officially have a job. Because basically, high school students would make up that they like had a lawn mowing business or that mm-hmm. they did, you know, which all of these different things are fine. But they would kind of make up job concepts mm-hmm. in order to get this early release when they didn't technically qualify. So I emailed my principal directly and was like, hey, what can I do to be able to consider my business a full-time job so that I can leave early because I just don't need the credits. And I also have enough work in front of me. And he told me he would make an exception for me if I was a registered business Uh, by the time the start of my senior year rolled around. So from a finance perspective, I probably didn't really need one yet. I I was making a few hundred dollars, but I wasn't making enough that I was going to get in any sort of trouble. But I had to do it in order to qualify for that early release in my last year of high school.
0: So it really just paid off that you had taken all these extra classes as an underclassman so that we had that early release. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I totally forgot my other question. I had like seven. (laughs) But
1: totally fine. They'll come back to you. They'll come back to you. But yeah, so I I literally just walked into my local courthouse and was with my mom because <laughs> I could barely even drive. And I was like, hey, um, can you tell me what I need to do in order to be an officially registered business in Fredericksburg, Virginia? And I actually, they didn't even require a business license for me because mm-hmm. I wasn't making enough. Um, it was like a fictitious name statement and a few tax documents that I had to fill out so that I could file as a sole proprietor. And that was it. And I was considered an official business owner. And then that's how I
0: got permission to leave school early okay so up until that point you were making a couple hundred hundred bucks right you had your like little rebel yeah did you upgrade your camera at that point or were you still have your little rebel camera I still had my little rebel camera I didn't upgrade my camera until probably halfway through my senior year okay so at that point whenever you have your official business license you're leaving school at 11 were you like I'm doing it like I'm doing it big. Yeah. I'm investing like this is gonna be huge or were you like all right let's see how this goes I don't know like, yeah. How, how are you feeling? feeling? I was definitely just a let's see how this goes type of
1: mindset until really probably the last few months of my senior year. So the first half of it, I was busy, but I it wasn't blowing up. I was excited about it. I'm just I'm a very I'm a type three Enneagram. I <laughs> put a hundred percent of myself into anything that I do. So I was Same. definitely working my yes, I was working my booty off and just like excited about what was coming and excited about the potential growth, but it wasn't on my radar to consider going full-time instead of going to college until pretty much the day that I made that decision to go Uh full-time. It was kind of just like an, oh, let's see how much money we can make just for funsies because I have nothing else to do. (laughs) Um, And so that's, I mean, really what it was for the first majority of my senior year of high school.
0: Really? So, Mm -hmm. wow, that is unreal. Okay. So then when you wake up one day, like, okay, what were the emotions... Leading into that day, when you wake up and you have this epiphany that you yeah. don't want to go to Radford and you're not going to go to college, like did you have yeah. like an inkling? Were there moments where like eh, my parents might be pissed, or did you just like wake up and like, oh my god, I don't think I want to do this? So
1: my brain, I am a very compartmentalized type of person where I don't let myself process. Emotions and like thoughts until they're like very forefront in my brain. And so I definitely think I had an inkling of like, "Mm, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't, this isn't sitting right with me. But I didn't really take the time to address it in my brain until I woke up that morning. And it was just like this wave crashed over me of like, Hey, hope you have to pay attention to these emotions now because they're not going away. Yeah. And there were some outside factors. I had a boyfriend at the time that I had been dating all through high school and we were actually going to Radford together. And so, um, there was that piece of it. There was the piece that my dad was like very gung-ho college education. He didn't get a college education until his mid thirties when he had kids. And so for him, his perspective was, this is the only option. It's going to be really hard if you don't do it right now. And then I also actually had my mom, my mom and I are best friends. She knows me better than I know myself. So the third piece of this is my mom, actually this entire process, she knew way before I did that college wasn't in in the cards for me. She just knew that that was not where I needed. always know. They always know. So the whole time I'm applying to all of these colleges, I applied to Savannah College of Art and Design. I applied to ECU, which was in a different state. I applied to a lot of out-of-state schools. And the whole time, my mom just kept saying to me, I would submit an application, and she'd be sitting next to me. And she would say, Hope, I just want you to know that if you want to stay home and go to community college or go to our you know, local college here – I'm okay with that. Like, it's okay with us. You can stay here. Like, don't feel like you need to go. And I would get mad at her. Like, we would get in fights. I would be like, stop trying to keep me here. That's not what I want to do. Like, I clearly want to go to an out-of-state school. Blah, 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 blah. We would get in fights. And so we had those conversations many times and I was just very much shut it down. I didn't think I wanted to stay in Fredericksburg. And then I actually went to a photography workshop in the winter of my senior year. So it was early 2014, January, February timeframe and a girl named Caroline Logan was there. She's a wedding photographer in the industry still. She's amazing. And she's a year older than me and had been full-time for about a year when I was at this workshop in 2014. And I just looked up to her. I admired her. And she had just made the decision to go full-time instead of go to college. So she was at this event. I saw her. I cornered her and had this like Beyonce moment Mm -hmm. of like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with you. And I basically cornered her and was like, I need you to talk me through everything that you'd, thought through that made you decide to go full-time and not go to school. And the thing that she said to me that someone had said to her was the quote, wherever you go, be all there. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said that she made the decision because she felt like she couldn't be 100% there in her business and 100% there in college. And she wanted to be fully present in one of those things and just know that the other thing, which for her was college, would always be there for her to revisit, but that she wanted to be all there. And that kind of flipped a switch in my brain. And I think I started paying a little bit more attention then, but it didn't come full circle until June when I woke up that day and decided it just wasn't right for me.
0: So we're going to take a quick coffee break and literally talk about coffee because one of my favorite small businesses and local companies is Trident Coffee. You can order Trident Coffee with my code TRIDENT KELLY, all caps, for a discount on all of their products. They have this amazing mocha cold brew and churro latte cold brew and collagen, which I put in my coffee every single morning. Make sure you guys remember to shop small. When you're shopping small, you're supporting other people's dreams. So when you get ready to pour that morning coffee, take a moment and think Trident. Trident Coffee. Use code Trident Kelly for discount on all purchases. Information in the show notes. Thanks, guys. Back to the episode. I don't know if you're a person of faith. I'm a person of faith. I am. And I, thankfully, I kind of just blame it on God. Um, I've had a couple of those moments where I'm very unsure, but I'm very concerned because I'm being pulled in like a direction and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm really worried about it. And like one of those things was when I was a senior at the Naval Academy, I had to pick my first duty station. Like where was I going to go? And my mom was like, you're going to pick Virginia. Like you're going to be, you're going to be near us. There's no way you're not going to be near us. Of course you're going to pick Virginia. Like why would you not pick Virginia? But I felt like I needed to go to California and I needed Mm. to go grow and I needed to like move away and do the scary thing. But Deep down, I was like, okay, but, like, I should pick Virginia. Like, that makes more sense. Like, why would I not go do that and, like, be close to my family? So I kept just freaking out and, like, not knowing what to do. And I literally woke up one morning and it was just, like, it was on a billboard in front of my face. It was clear as day. And I was like, I got to pick California. Like, it was so – such a clear sign to me. And I never looked back since that day. It was, like, a January morning. And same thing, like, Fast forward six years of my life, the Navy was trying to send me off to grad school in California
1: mm. and
0: I was living in Ohio at the time and it was optional, but strongly suggested. <laughs> and so same kind of thing. Like mom was like, oh my God, go to grad school, get your master's. Like, that's amazing. My dad was like, master's. Woohoo. Like we love school. Yay. Yeah. And I just kind of felt the same thing. I was like, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm here. Yeah. I hear you. I feel like this is yeah. a good for me personally, but I just feel like it's not where I'm supposed to be. Same sort of thing. Woke up one morning clear as day and was like, I need to stay Mm -hmm. here. Ended up meeting my future husband because I stayed at home. You know, like everything truly happens for a reason. Like you don't have to make a decision that day, but I think praying about it and just compartmentalizing. And I I know it sounds weird, but like one day you're going to wake up with such clarity. Yeah. You really, really will.
1: It's so true. And I, and ever since, because I was, again, I was only 17 at this time. And so yeah, trusting my gut and Mm -hmm. like betting on myself and my intuition just wasn't something that I was confident in doing yet. Mm -hmm. I, I was very much still a kid. And the fact that I just, I wanted to listen to what everyone around me was saying. And it took that kind of six months between that workshop I went to in January, February to when I made the decision in June for me to just feel confident enough and strong enough in that kind of gut feeling or that calling to make the decision for myself. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it truly is just, I just woke up with this clarity. I actually woke up and I was just like, I was crying. I just woke up in this horrible mood and I was like crying and just like super emotional. And I was like, I just can't there's something off. Like there's just, I call it like an unsettling feeling. And Mm -hmm. I really believe God puts like an unsettling in your heart when something's off. And I woke up and I remember I went and sat in my mom's bathroom sink to like, I think I was like doing my makeup or plugging my eyebrows or something. And she walked in and she said, what, like, what's going on? And I just said, I don't think I want to go. Like, I just, I don't think I want to go. Um, and she just immediately was like, okay, done and done. Like you don't have to go. That's fine. Um, Uh... and I told my Boyfriend who had committed and he was supportive. He had committed to Radford too. And then I told my dad, and he was a little iffy. That's a different part of the story. Um, <laughs> I actually had to do a semester of community college in order to kind of do the best of both worlds for a semester, but soft in the blow. right? Exactly. But yeah, that was the day I decided. And I had already announced my commitment to Radford, like on all my social media platforms, yeah. on my blog, on everything. And then a week later I did a blog post revoking, like saying that I revoked it. Um, we lost thousands of dollars, but we meaning my parents, bless their hearts. They were paying for my college. And I mean, it was just, it was wild how supportive people were. But ever since that decision, I've now, you know, six, seven years removed, I'm now able to be so much more confident and trusting my intuition and my gut when it comes to any decision in my business. And, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but that's just one of the biggest things I could tell anybody listening is like your gut feeling is there for a reason. And Amy Porterfield, um, is an amazing educator in the industry, but she posted a thing the other day that says sticker on her mirror that says bet on yourself. And it just resonated with me so much. Like You know better than anybody else what your path should be and what feels right to you. And the best thing you can do for yourself
0: is listen to that intuition. 100%. Yes. I Bet on yourself. I can't say that enough. I mean, I I feel like bet on yourself and know your worth. Mm -hmm. You know, at any point, like the world is going to try and pull you in different directions and they're going to try and tell you that they know you better than you. Yeah, your mom does know you better than you. Don't try to tell her (laughs) that she she does not. Right. But other than that, like, bosses will try to tell you that they know what's better for you and companies and all these other people. But truly, like, you know in your heart of hearts, like, what's better for you. and same thing like in the Navy like people try to push me around and tell me like I need to take this position or I need to do something else but like I'm truly truly happy like where I'm at and how I'm making an impact in this way and it also allows me time to do so many other ways other things that give impact to a community or to other people and I know I know that like I know me Mm -hmm. better than anyone else and it's led to so many other things like my future husband or like my best friends that you know that's been so incredible. So like you said, bet on yourself. Yeah. You, I mean, I think something to remember also is I've said this before on the podcast, but you never want to look back on your life and wonder what if. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that was a pivotal moment for you. 16, 17 years old, mm-hmm. you started a business by college will always be there. Right. You know, but like that shot of your business, sure, you could say your business would always be there, but your momentum was picking up. And I feel yep. like your clients were picking up and your passion was picking up. Yes, that would be there, but probably not in the same ways it was in that moment. Right. And now it's been seven years and you're so successful. Like you are known in the photography industry, which is so cool. I, I mean, you are, and you know, I'm here in Los Angeles and I started my business in San Diego and I knew who you are, you know, but can you share with listeners, like starting your business, 16 years old, like how did you solidify yourself as a professional in this industry? Like how do you even really get started? Yeah.
1: So that was a huge thing for any other kind of young listeners or young entrepreneurs listening is, well, for anybody, there's always this kind of piece of having to earn somebody's trust and prove yourself and your professionalism. But when you're 16 and you can barely drive a car, there's a whole (laughs) nother level of that. Like you have to like earn the trust of these brides and these clients who are 10, 20, 30 years older Mm -hmm. than you. And so one of the biggest things I did on kind of like an emotional, not as practical level is I took myself seriously way before anybody else took me seriously. And I literally, I treated my business as a business. I acted like a professional. I called myself a professional. I just went like full speed ahead and believed in myself before anybody else did. I love that. Yeah. And it came with a lot of backlash from my high school peers. (gasps) I mean, I went to a public high school where like going to sporting events, like drinking, partying on the weekends was like the thing to do. And meanwhile, I'm like walking in in a Lily Pulitzer dress and leaving to like go run this business on the weekends. And people were like, who does this girl think she is? I mean, that was very much the consensus is like, who does this girl think she is? Which was fine with me. I I was just so confident in what I was doing. But I think that's a big fear people have is like, what if I look like a fool taking myself seriously before I have like earned being a professional or before I've earned the title of wedding photographer? But Mm -hmm. like, what does that even mean? Like there's no prerequisites to any of those things. So the biggest thing I did was to, I took myself seriously before other people did. And I set myself up for success in that. Oh my God. I love that. Oh, well, thank you. Put it on a t-shirt. Love it. (laughs) put it on a sweatshirt. I will buy it. But there's kind of three big practical things that I did Mm -hmm. that I like to talk through because I think that on a very practical, I'm all about the practical. I'm all about the like action steps. And there's three big things I did that kind of helped me in that direction. And the first is that I was really strategic about when I worked for free, because I think that there's like kind of two thought processes for people that are starting their businesses or like two ends of the spectrum, I should say. Um, On one end, we have people that are like, I am not worth being paid. Like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's not worth people paying me money. I'm too nervous to charge what I'm worth. I'm too nervous to put my pricing into the world. And I don't believe that's correct. I think everybody's time is valuable. Everybody's Mm -hmm. work is valuable. No matter how beginner you are, you should be paid for your work. And then the other end of the spectrum is like, I'm calling myself a business owner now, so I'm not gonna work for a penny less than the prices that I've listed. Like I'm never gonna go out and work for free. My time is so valuable that I won't get out of bed for less than X amount. And I don't think that's true either. I don't think that's right either. I think that there's a middle ground especially when you're trying to strategically build a business for the first time or build in a new market or successfully kind of market in a new area, the best thing you can do for yourself is be very strategic about when you work for free. I say free is not an F word. Like it's not a bad word. Mm -hmm. Um, working for free as an entrepreneur can actually be a good thing. Um, and it can be a building block for your business if it's done correctly. So, um, when I was photographing my peers for free, when I was photographing my friends to kind of build a portfolio and have new content to be sharing, I was really, really strategic about who I was working with and how I presented it. So I would only work with people who were kind of the epitome of who my ideal client is, right? So I am in Charleston and even in Virginia, I just work with very like Southern kind of preppy clients. The type of clients that are attracted to my work are people that kind of have that bubbly personality are looking for those bright, rich colors. Um, that's who my ideal client is, right? Like they come to their shoot with these cute outfits. They're well thought out. That's just who my clients are. Yeah. So if I did a free shoot for somebody who like my best friend, her name's Erica, she lives in LA, she's has like a way grungier style. Like she loves the super like LA influencer style photos. Um, but that's not who my ideal client is. But if I was only photographing people with that style, but trying to build a business based on a Southern and preppy brand, that wasn't going to work, right? That was going to be a waste of my time because the images in my portfolio weren't going to reflect the type of brand or business or clientele that I was trying to build. So I tried to be very strategic about who I worked with and also how I presented it. I made myself appear to be way more in demand than I was because I was constantly going out and doing these shoots. And not only was I doing the shoots, but I was adding in variety of outfits and location and looks and lipsticks and hairstyles so that I could do one hour long shoot today. And I could post 10 different photos from that shoot across the span of the next two months. And nobody would realize that they were all from the same shoot. So I look like I am just shooting constantly because I constantly have this new content to post. But in reality, I'm just being really strategic about how much variety I get when I go out to work for free. Because if I'm going to work for free, I want the return on that time to be crazy high, right? Because I'm not getting paid. So I want to make sure I'm getting a return on my time investment. And the best way that I could do that was to add variety and to those shoots and turn around and share them in a way that made me look like I was crazy busy. Because the best way to get booked up is for people to think that you're already booked up because they want the thing that's in demand, in demand the most. They want the thing that they have to like cross barriers to get to. And if they feel like they can't email you right now and get a spot within the next month, they're going to book you really quick because they're going to want to make sure they have an opportunity to work with you.
0: Ooh, I love that. You know what? I've, I heard this quote last year and has stuck with me. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not stressed. I'm in demand. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, I love that. Okay. I have a question. Did your audience ever catch on when you had the same model, but like in different shades of lipstick? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure. I think that if people paid attention, they noticed that I was working with a lot of the same people,
1: but that's okay because at first quick glance, somebody who hasn't been following me for long, um, that's doing a quick scroll through my Instagram may not notice. Um, and if they don't pay a lot of attention, it still serves that purpose of looking in demand. And it Mm -hmm. also still serves the purpose of like practice makes perfect, right? Like my work was constantly improving and I was constantly kind of becoming more in demand and being able to raise my prices because of that. Um, but I was strategic about that too. I was reaching out to people that weren't just my best friends to get them in front of my camera to make sure that it didn't all look the same. So I was definitely kind of going out Of my way to be sure that I had new content to share very regularly.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I need to apply that to my entire life. (laughs) Because I think before COVID, I really like was in demand. I was like super busy all the time and right. I wasn't even just trying to like look it. I just really was like always busy. People would be like, oh, yeah. well, let's hang out. And I'm like, okay, I'm available in March. I know it's January, but really like I'm available in March. Now I'm like right. tomorrow, for does that sound great? I'm free. Yeah. Like, I'm just like always free. Um, but I think that that's so smart. Okay. So free is not an F word. I love that. Okay. What else do you have for us? So second
1: thing I did to kind of set myself apart and Mm -hmm. because I was in a very saturated market in Virginia where there were photographers that were, you know, moms, they were 20, 30 years older than me that had been in the market for a decade. And I had to set myself apart from them in some way. And I know that you've talked about this on the pod before, but personal marketing was a huge, huge, huge piece of what Mm -hmm. set me apart. I knew that if I wanted to be different and set myself apart from everyone in the industry, the quickest and most surefire, no-brainer way to do that was to incorporate who I am into the way that I marketed my business because naturally nobody else can be me. Nobody else can market themselves as me. And so incorporating my personality, pictures of myself, photos of just Random things that had nothing to do with photography, but yeah. that were a part of who I am, like me spending time with my mom, me hanging out with my friends, me having this crazy love for home dec- like decorating and interior design, all of these things that were not related to photography, but allowed people to feel like they were getting to know me and who I was and kind of feel like we were besties, even though we've never met. That allowed my value, my perceived value to be higher, ultimately allowed me to charge more and even charge what I can now because people feel like they know me and it set me apart from everybody else because people followed me. They felt like they related to me and resonated with me and they wanted to be my friend and that encouraged them to book me above every other photographer in the area who just was a photographer to them. They couldn't relate to them or resonate with them because they didn't market who they were as a part of their brand.
0: Um, you better believe in 2014, I wanted to be Hope Taylor's friend. I mean, I still <laughs> clearly wanted to be Hope Taylor's friend. But right. in my like, you know, peak photography days, right. when I was starting Kelly Renee Photography, I like had my Kate Spade cup because you had your Kate Spade cup. And I like had my cute camera bag because you had your Kate camera bag. It was kind of like the Mean Girls quote where it's like, Regina wore sweatpants and flip flops. So I wore sweatpants and flip flops. Yeah. yeah. It was like that, yeah. which now I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, I'm such a loser. But you successfully personally branded yourself. Congratulations. Yeah. It worked charm. <laughs> you
1: are so sweet. That is so funny. No, I remember that Kate Spade cup. I loved me some Kate Spade Tumblr cups. Same. Yeah. It helps separate you from everybody else. I call it the 10 tabs rule, is what I call it. So I look at it like if somebody has 10 different tabs open on their laptop of 10 different Different photographers, um, and every single photographer's website says, "I've had a camera in my hand for as long as I can remember." I've been published in these places. Here are my credentials. Here's blah blah blah. People can't relate with those things because mm-hmm. your clients likely aren't photographers, right? But if my about me says that I love Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, and my a bride or my senior is looking at that, is like, "Oh, I love Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets too." My tab on that laptop immediately stands out amongst those ten other tabs just because they related to me on a personal level. So I think it's really important to just incorporate. Yeah, just incorporate who you are into into how you brand yourself and how you talk about yourself. Your clients will love
0: it. You realize, okay, another thing. I don't know if I can like completely contribute this to you, but probably, who knows? That's what I teach in the Navy. So I work in social media now in the Navy for recruiting and I teach personal branding to my recruiters and I have a very successful okay. social media account for the Navy and it's largely because I share my story and I share who I am and I share what I like and I share what I do and I share blah, 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 all of it, you know, as yeah. Lieutenant Kelly Hall. And so I tell my recruiters that I'm like, you can't just post a ship and like, no one cares about a ship. Just like you can't post a camera. Like yeah. but you look like everybody else. I'm like, you have to post about the person like behind the uniform and who was on the ship right. and like what it did for you and why you like it. And and that has helped get me to stand apart from everyone else in the yeah. name, which has helped me gather this huge following, which has helped me in recruiting. So, yes, the personal branding piece is – I love the tab rule, though. That is a really, yeah. really, really good tip. I love that. Thank you. Thank yes. you. It's chock full of knowledge, I tell you. So <laughs> the last thing that you mentioned before the call was for people starting out, the importance of a website. Yeah. And you alluded to it with the – personal branding piece of it but why is the website so important and what exactly is like are the fundamentals that go into the website
1: Yeah. So for me, I honestly don't even think that a full built out website is necessary from the very beginning. I think that can almost be like this overwhelming task that people Mm -hmm. at the beginning of businesses don't want to dive into. They're like, I don't know enough about my business yet to build out this whole huge website. I think the biggest and most important thing for you to have when you're new in the industry or new in any entrepreneurship journey is to have somewhere that you present your pricing. Because what I learned is, and I'm sure that anybody listening can give like a praise hand emoji to this. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, the psychology behind pricing, if a client reaches out to me over a Facebook message or a text message or an email even, and I just type my prices back to them, like the email says that, you know, my packages are $350 for some reason they view that as negotiable. So they'll come back and be like, well, what about 250 or or, what about 300 for a mini session? Or what about this? I'm sure we've all experienced that at some point. Like if you just try to like tell somebody your prices over message or over any form of communication. I found that people viewed those as negotiable for whatever reason. But if I sent them a website or a pricing guide or some formal way that my pricing was displayed, it was almost like the psychology behind that was that it was non-negotiable then. Um, and so it was like, take or leave it. Not, well, what about 250? What can I get for this? You can't get anything for that because mm-hmm. these are my prices and yeah. they're officially listed on this thing. So what I did is I had just a hidden page on my website where I laid out my pricing and packages And when anybody inquired with me, I sent them directly to that link. And because they were formatted and laid out in a professional and an aesthetic way, people were way more likely to not try to come back and negotiate that price or come back with like a lower offer or something along those lines. It's because they were listed somewhere. It was almost like it was more official and people took me more seriously and more professionally because of that. So I think one of the best things you can do for your small business at the very beginning is present your pricing professionally and have yeah. a place where you lay it out and present it to your potential clients that looks like the level of professionalism that you want to be at, right? Like take yourself more seriously than you think you are, be more of a
0: professional than you think you are and just present your pricing accordingly. Okay, so I have two things. Number one, I have a story. I, Whenever I was first starting out in photography, so I like at the first year, I was like, mm, know if I should charge like I feel weird. I don't know. So I was charging like $40. Like I was like felt so weird. I was like, gas money. Like that's I'm fine with that. It wasn't until I was getting like used and abused. I mean I seriously I had people who were like um I lived in downtown San Diego and they were like I want to shoot in Del Mar. And then they wanted me to drive 45 minutes and then pay $20 for parking and then you know, not even pay me for the shoot. And I was like, I just paid 20 bucks out of pocket, not to mention gas to shoot your engagement. And right. so I realized I needed to to do my own pricing. I just like absolutely yeah. had it. And then when I actually did my own pricing, people paid it. Like when I yeah. shot, them, I was like, here are my prices and packages. And I like sent it to them. They're like, okay. And I was like, Hey, that was so simple, like, whoa. Thank you. Exactly. It was wild. So what do you think is a good starting point? Like if you're a new photographer and you're like, I don't think I'm very good. I don't know. I'm new. I'm new. I'm new. Like, can you give any suggestions on where to start? Yeah. So I think that this very much depends on
1: your market. It very much depends on what you're offering. It, it depends on so many different things that I don't want to give like a blanket number for okay, everybody, okay. but I started at, I started too low and I started at probably, I want to say it was like $75 for a 45 minute session. Um, that included an online gallery of like 20 digital pictures or something like that. Um, but I very quickly within the first year scaled that to like three fifty for an hour long session. So, um, the biggest thing, biggest piece of advice I could give is price yourself competitively in your market, but also price yourself at a point that you're comfortable with. Because I think a lot of people coming out the gate, they hear like price competitively, price competitively, price what you're worth, price what you're worth. And I absolutely agree with those things. But I also think that if you price yourself so high that you're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to like overwork yourself to reach this like level of achievement that you feel like would deserve $300 for a shoot, you're almost overworking yourself. Whereas if you price yourself where you feel comfortable, knowing that you're going to increase your prices regularly, but if you start pricing yourself where you're comfortable, it's almost like you're not putting so much pressure and stress on yourself to overperform when you don't need to. Yeah. Um. So for me, it was kind of like finding a number that was a little bit of a balance of both.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I started out at 200 and then I think I increased to like 250 and all the feedback I always got was like, you're like so reasonable with your prices. You're so reasonable. And then Mm -hmm. I eventually went to 350 and I noticed like my clients almost started like leveling off or dropping. And I'm like, I booked more clients and I made more money when I was at 250, you know, just Mm -hmm. based on where I was at and like the level I was at. So like you said, don't put too much pressure on yourself and Enjoy it. Like it should be fun, right? Like yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Hope, I know that you are a very important person and you have meetings and you have so much to do and so much going on. But I'm going to ask you one final question as yes. I have all of my guests. What do you think is most misunderstood about being a business owner, especially at such a young age? Oh, I love this question. So I think that my answer is kind of twofold
1: because I think there's almost two thought processes when somebody looks at a young business owner. Thought process number one is people look at it and they're like, Oh, that's so easy. I could do that. Like they're like, That's such an easy way to make money when you're high school or is taking pictures. So I actually had a lot of people at my high school try to start a business and start taking pictures. And I I mean I loved that. I was I was very supportive of them, but they dropped off like flies when they realized that it's so much more work than just taking pictures. So I think that's kind of the most misunderstood thing, number one, like one side of it is that it's like so easy that anybody could do it. um, and people don't realize that the business side is the most time consuming piece of the whole thing. So I think that's misconception. Number one, misconception. Number two, I think is that people disqualify themselves because they are insert whatever your you know thing is that you're stressed about, whether it's you're too young, you're too old, you're not old enough, not young enough, not cute enough, not bubbly enough, not talented enough, whatever it is. I think that that's a really common thing. People think about being a young business owner. It's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm only 16. And then it's like, well, why not? Like, why can't you? What 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 about being 15, 16, 14, 13? What about that makes you disqualified? Nothing. I think it just makes you amazing and makes you hardworking. And it means that you might have to work a little bit harder in certain areas to qualify yourself and kind of prove your professionalism. But I, I like the challenge of it. So I think it's like, twofold. Some people think that it's so easy that anybody could do it. Other people think it's like so intimidating. They could never do it. And I think that anybody is capable of doing it no matter how young they are, if they're mm-hmm. willing to put in the work.
0: Amazing. Well, mic drop. <laughs> Amazing. Hope Taylor photography. I'm going to include all of your links. Um, I know you can found on Instagram at Hope Taylor photography, correct? Yes. Okay. Yep. That's exactly right. Hope I think. It's actually HopeTaylor.com. Either one will work. Okay. Um, and then I
1: have YouTube too. If anybody wants to watch more of my educational resources for free, um, my YouTube channel is the best
0: place to do that. What's the link to your YouTube? It's just Hope Taylor. If you search Hope Taylor, I should pop right up. Um, and I do weekly
1: videos for photographers and
0: entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. All the links will be in the show notes. Thanks so much, amazing. Hope. You're amazing. Yeah. You keep clicking away and making people feel beautiful. You were amazing. You are so sweet. Thank you so much for having me. This was incredible. And you are such a rock star. I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much, babe. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode. Tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you love, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. <sighs>